different location than we we've are. been in for a while. Yeah. We're back in my place. It's been a while. It's been a while. I like to think that this single solitary rug that I've placed in this room will help. It's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the sound. Um, but look, we're constantly on a journey for the perfect sound. I it's think true. that we're never going to be satisfied. We might be satisfied one day. Maybe one day. You're right. What are we drinking tonight? Um, so it was my birthday this week. <gasps> yes. So I was nice to us. That and, is kind. Uh, we're yeah. going to try the Truly Margarita mix pack. Hell yeah. I have the mango chili. I've got the strawberry hibiscus. And then there's a watermelon cucumber. Ooh. All right. Oh, God. Oh, that's a good Cans noise. Cans are evil. You've never liked a can. I have never liked a can. Never met a can you like. My liked. fingers are weak. <laughs> that's really good. Mm-hmm. Do you like a the spicy a meatball? Yeah, it's not that spicy. Hell yeah. We're uh we're here. Oh, you were nice to us, I should say, in another way because you got well, us Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. So I saw the Girl Scouts were at the uh grocery store when I stopped to get the booze, and then the Girl Scout was crying, so I bought cookies. <laughs> what if okay we talked about this a little a couple minutes ago but like what if that was the ploy what if she's a little like sociopath no she apologized for crying (laughs) and was like trying to actively stop so no i don't think so like i there was also like no one at the table i just want i just want to know like maybe nobody was buying her her cookies i don't know and you really helped her out yeah i hope i hope um, you got the thin mints and mm-hmm. the peanut butter patties. Yeah. Because those are the best cookies. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an alternate favorite or is that it for you as well? Thin mints. Thin mints, yeah. It's Sometimes like, the lemonade ones. You know, and those are all right. I always think they're not gonna be as good as they are. And I'm usually surprised by them. Yeah. And then if you put the shortbread cookies in the freezer, they're really good. Oh, I've never done that. But you have to put them in the freezer. Because otherwise they're garbage. Yes. <laughs> otherwise they're just shortbread cookies all right it's episode 103 we're here we've got our ceremonial oops my cat's water and food dish yes yes we're ready for the sacrifice of the table yes we've got jake is behind us the ceremonial my husband yes he's also ready for the sacrifice i don't know if he knows that is (laughs) he looks really happy about it yeah he does i think it's because i brought cookies yeah i agree he does not know that he is the sacrifice. It's okay. It also makes me really nervous. He's nodding so much that like he's got his <laughs> headphones on because he's playing Death Stranding. He is stranding death currently. Yeah. But he can still hear us, mm. which gives me the yips like a like <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I we've never we had an audience one time and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Uh you ready to do this? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, oh, I said 103. It's episode 102. Oh, I was right. And then I updated my notes because you said 103. I'm so and you sorry. Know, no, you got to trust your you own gut You know more than me, usually. Emily. No. <laughs> I mean, okay. We have to think about what a major fuck up that was because literally two episodes <laughs> was 100. <laughs> pretty, pretty momentous. But, like, time is a weird soup. <laughs> like, 
I had 102 in my notes because I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I had 102 one in my notes. I just wasn't looking at them because I'm dumb. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is 102 because I literally yeah. just made two graphics. So <laughs> this makes sense that this so would actually, be 102. So actually, you knew more than me and you had every right <laughs> to just keep it and know, know that I and was And then you're wrong. like, 103. And I'm like... <laughs> Huh. Was it? Okay. What I came here to say was that because it's even, I believe that means you go first. Oh, shit. You put it in the Discord. I put it in the Discord. I saw that. Hold on. You're a whole genius. (laughs) I go first on evens. All right. Let's do this. I do need you to know. I almost changed my story twice that's more than usual by one (laughs) fair so this is the third option though this is the third option and i'm gonna start with a quote because it's been a while hell yeah the officers were trying to give a description of me and they couldn't tell my race due to all of the blood (laughs) that's so much blood like i'm already like i think one a police officer's number one thing is telling your race (laughs) It's their first thing they need to figure out because they got to decide how to treat you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So if they can't do that because you're so covered in blood. They have to treat you with respect and that's just unacceptable. Yeah. They can't handle that. No. They did have to wipe it away. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about something that I'm not capable of. Forgiveness. <laughs> that's so fucked up. <laughs> but true. <laughs> Yeah, this we I know. neither forgive nor forget. This we know. Yes. <laughs> Our survivor, Kevin Ramsby, is arguably a better person than I am, probably. Hello, Kevin. Yeah. Quote, when I heard the crashing window, the glass breaking and falling to the ground, it startled me. It's fair. It's fair. Seems about right. Yeah. So Kevin was previously an associate pastor at Revival Tabernacle in Highland Park, Michigan. And he was home alone August of 2009. I don't know why I stuttered with that a little bit. I think my brain wanted to say 20. Oh, yeah. 2009 doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But an intruder broke in. Now, Highland Park is right outside of Detroit and has a pretty high crime rate. Great. Still does to this day. Oh, nothing's changed about Detroit. Shockingly. So... There's a fun little website you can go to, which basically just tells you all cities suck. <laughs> um, and it rates on a scale for the crime index of oh. 1 to 100, with 100 being the safest city in the U.S. Oh. Highland Park is rated a 3. Oh, no. <laughs> on the crime index. And so- I think they do that based on... The ratio of crime to population. Sure. Because lacrosse is rated a five. Really? Yeah. So we're actually pretty high crime for our population. Yeah. So And, and yet I don't <laughs> feel like we have like that kind of stigma. I don't, right. I, yeah. That's weird. It's because there aren't a ton of black people here. <laughs> All the crime is white. I wish I was joking. That's true. Um, the safest city in the U.S., one of the safest cities, is Wayland, Massachusetts, which is rated at a 97 on the crime index. Wow. Because I, I was like, I feel like this is really, really rigged. Like, nothing gets above a 10. So then I went down a Google hole to try and find the safest cities. And yeah, 
I found one that was rated at a 96. This one was rated at a 97. So I'm like, okay. All right. They do exist, I guess. They're probably, I mean, I know this is by population, but they are probably pretty sleepy areas. Yeah. Spe- like. Oh, yeah. Generally. Small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he couldn't find a weapon. So he grabbed a tennis racket and ran downstairs. Pretty good. Side of the tennis racket? That could work. Yeah. You got it. And thankfully, his wife and I believe one child, I think they had one child at this time, uh, were not at home. They just left. Mm. Um, He says, I remember yelling, this is my house, letting someone know that I was there, which is fair. Because you normally can startle somebody out of the house because they don't want a confrontation. Right. Yeah. If they're really there to just burgle, they Mm -hmm. thought you weren't home. Yeah. They're not dumb. When I got to the bottom last two steps, I was racing. At that time, a man came racing around the corner. That's when we first saw each other face to face and came eye to eye with each other. I quickly noticed he had a large knife in his hand. Oh, no. It was slow motion. It was almost surreal. When I first saw the knife... I remember my first thought was, I can't believe this is happening. So. So, I mean, yeah, you see knife, you you think, oh, he's here to hurt me. Yeah. There's no reason for him to have that. No. He's not going to unbox some stuff no. in my house. No. <laughs> Definitely not. That's very scary. That would be like heart skips a beat. Yeah. So. This is not the light. <laughs> Quote. He was using the knife and he kept repeatedly just stabbing. He began to stab me to the back of the head and my neck, right on my spine and my shoulders. The only words he spoke to me was, where is the money and where are the keys? What? This man is clearly confused about who he is attacking right now. Like, come on. He really comes into somebody's house and goes like, where is the money? Mm -hmm. As if he's supposed to know what he's talking about and where are the keys? Yeah. So... He's thinking he's going to die. Yeah. He's, oh, my God. Fair. So Kevin's like, oh, shit. Okay. So because he's religious, he remembers, like, laying on the floor and, like, answering, trying to answer him and just knowing it didn't matter anymore because he was dead Ooh. and just kind of was waiting to die and was convinced that his life was over. And he began to pray. Mm-hmm. Because he and his wife had had a disagreement earlier that day. Oh. And now she was out of town with the kids visiting family. So he started praying and was telling God what he wanted to tell his wife. Yeah. That he loved her and that he was thinking about his daughter and that his son would be okay. You don't want the last thing you did was like have a fight with the person you love and then you never get to see them again. I totally get that. Yeah. And we've talked about it before where it's like someone's in a life or death situation and they like hear another voice. Yeah. So he was praying and he believes it was God that said they still need you. And then everything was infused with like energy. So like the adrenaline probably kicked in. Yeah, probably. And he thought, I've got to do something. This part is not the light. So he was stabbed a whole bunch. Yeah. Everywhere, not just head and neck. Ugh. But also in his abdomen. Um, so he's his exact quote is my insides had come on the outside of me. Oh god. And I had to pick them up. No. And stand on my feet and begin carrying my intestines. 
to be able to get out the house. I simply disagree with. <laughs> I do not. I do not. That like is that. not something that I think I could do. I actually, I seriously don't think you'd think about it. I think your brain goes into an autopilot mode. I just listened to an episode of another podcast of a guy who like, they talk about the stress hormone and like what it can do. Like it's all adrenaline, but like how calm it can make you. And like, there was a guy who like a boat backed up into him and the propeller of that boat. Oh God. Sliced his goddamn legs to ribbons. His like bones and muscles are all, and he is the calmest person there. Because he's just like, all right, hide that child's face. They do not need to see this. I'm going to haul myself up to the boat and I'm and you need to apply pressure. Do we have a tourniquet? Can somebody call 911? Like, I think you could do it because your brain just goes, those are yours. <laughs> those entrails. I, those need, are, I need these. You need those and you need to go somewhere to get yeah. some help. Like, and you don't think more than that. I know in a moment I can be pretty calm. Like when I sliced the shit out of my hands when a glass broke when I was doing dishes. Mm -hmm. And I just very calmly asked Kat for a towel. And she walked into the kitchen and was the one freaking out. Of course. That's that stress hormone. That's the thing being like, like, you just got to take care of it, buddy. It's fine. You got it. It's fine. I think you should have more faith in yourself. I bet you could do it. I bet we could all do it. Pick up your goddamn (laughs) entrails and walk out the house. I'm mortified. I hate that. Yeah, so he'd been stabbed in the stomach first, mm. and the man had straddled him and stabbed him repeatedly. He'd lost consciousness and awoke alone in the kitchen, unsure if the man was still in the house. Oh, terrifying. So he gathered himself up. I can't believe he's still kicking. Covered in blood. Yeah. Got to his neighbor's house, and his neighbor had a very logical reaction <laughs> which is to scream and shit and puke and cry <laughs> and not let him into the house like don't open the door but they did call 911 okay, along with call. i think another neighbor like across the street who just saw this man covered in blood like hobbling like yeah. uh what are the odds do you think that you would see that and think oh the zombie apocalypse started this is it i'm looking at patient fucking zero i i would think like cuz he was Trying to talk. Oh, God. That's mortifying, too. If he can't <laughs> yeah. speak. And he's like, I uh, would still, uh. like, call 911. Absolutely. I wouldn't assume, like, oh, zombie should should remove the head <laughs> right. from the neck. Right. Like, until it's but. confirmed that we're in a zombie apocalypse, I'm maybe not going to do murder. Exactly. You can let, but you don't have to open the door. No. You can let the first responders be the one who discover yeah. if that's a zombie or not. Right. And, you know, that's one of those things that now that's been become such a ploy of, like, people crying at your door, begging for help, and then you let them in, and then it's really a robbery. So, like, I mm-hmm. get that. It's but the- he also, like, stayed by the door Good. and was watching and waiting, because then I think if the dude was coming back, he probably would have intervened. Sure. I would hope so. Yeah, I would think so. Or if, if your neighbor just maybe were to drop in front of you like because he's dying now i think i would open the door at that point well he was laying down on the porch so after okay so so he got to the porch and then just laid down that's Uh, fair yeah so yeah neighbor didn't open the door officers got there couldn't describe him because of all the blood 
the robber was still in the house. He re- he was. Yeah. He was upstairs and he saw Kevin leaving through a window. It was probably like and was like, Holy "Oh shit. shit." Yep. And left. He got $3 and an old laptop. Yeah, did you get your money and your keys, you fucking nope. turd? Nope. The robber who I'm not going to name cuz his name doesn't fucking matter. Right. Dick. Some dickhead. Was caught in Alabama later that year and then was convicted in 2012 and was sentenced to 18 to 40 years in prison. What's the trend? Sorry, that's a really random... Uh, right. That's a really wide range of time. 18 to 40. We're yeah. going to think about it. We'll tell you later. Now, how many times do you think he was stabbed? Because you said it was like over and over again and you listed a few places... I'm going to say like 20, and I think that's high. He was stabbed 37 times. Oh, oh my God. That's so much. The doctors were amazed that he was alive. I mean, you said it was a pretty big knife, too. Yeah. So like big gashes, big wounds. Uh, He was stabbed his face, neck, temple, spine, chest, abdomen, all over his body. Temple. And like the medical team really, really did not think he was going to make it. I would believe that. He's pro- he has lost so much goddamn blood. Right. His outsides are so, inside. Yeah. His outsides are inside. <laughs> Flip it and reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> it's here flimming if I'm winging it. Uh, so his wife's name is Sarah. And she got the call. And she said, I had nothing to say but Jesus. And it wasn't a screaming Jesus. It was just repeating it because it was all she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, because of the, the religious thing, I'm sure she wasn't saying it the way I'd be saying it, which is no. like, Jesus fucking no. Christ. Probably not. No. No. <laughs> so he goes into emergency surgery, obviously. He requires a lot of power surgery. I imagine. Uh, and that's one of those things of like, the trauma surgeons were probably really excited about it in the worst way of like, Shit. Yeah. This is not something I want, but hot damn, if he makes it through this. Like, that's That's going to be crazy. That's true. You um, like to think a doctor doesn't think of that at the time, but maybe they do. Uh, some of them probably do. Some of them do. I can guarantee some of them do. Because uh, <laughs> a lot of surgeons are sociopaths. <laughs> yeah. But that's why, like, yeah, instead of being like, oh, no, this is doomed. Right. They're like, I, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to get fucking famous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get this guy through this. Um, So he underwent surgery and Sarah drove back with the kids and she was apparently seven hours away. Oh, God, that drive is... turn around and came back. Um, She describes feeling numb, which, yeah, she probably went into shock. I think if you have to drive seven hours back to your husband and you know he might be dead when you get there, like, and you have, like, your kids in the car, I think I would just, yeah, disassociate. Yep. Like a motherfucker. Yep. And when she got to the hospital, Kevin was out of surgery. She was able to see him. He was still alive. So that was already like, that's great. He survived surgery. We just got to get through the first 24 hours. Sure. Odds are he was probably in the ICU. I would assume so. The fact that he did die on the table. Yeah. And none of his major major organs were damaged that doesn't i mean that's so fortunate yes I mean, that's literally the only reason he's alive was sliced like i mean nothing how... major was damaged it took him five months to recover 
but nothing major was damaged. Incredible. The guy must have, you know, I think if you're trying to really stab somebody that that fast, he gets that many blows in. Maybe they're not very deep. He's just kind of going boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Because like he didn't hit any major organs. He didn't hit any arteries. That's intense. Like I, if I were a religious person, I'd be like, somebody is looking out for this motherfucker. Because right. no arteries either. Yeah. He was stabbed in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You got like a 98% chance of hitting an artery and getting stabbed yeah. in the neck. It's all arteries in there. Yeah. You got you got two two big blood vessels on each side yeah, of the it's neck. It's not great. It's it, there's a reason why people slice you there when yeah. they want to kill you fast. Good god. Oh, good for him though. Yeah. So, he made it through. And he firmly believes that God was protecting him. Man, Which, you know, I yeah, get it. Okay. Yeah. To each their own. Also, you made it through something absolutely nuts. Yeah. If you already were like, yeah, um, God's on my side. I'm a very devout person. Like, of course you would of assume. You are. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yes, that's fair. <laughs> and that's valid. And I give people that. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has different outlooks on faith and what gets them through it. And otherwise, to each you their might, own. Yeah. Some people might be left thinking, like, well, why would I make it through that? Other people die of much less all the time. Like, what mm-hmm. do, what is it about me? So, you know, if he's got his explanation, that's good. So at the trial, he was given the chance to give a victim impact statement mm-hmm. at sentencing. Um, he declined. Instead, he wanted to say he gave a life statement. Cool. And this is where he's a better person than I am. <laughs> he forgave his attacker. It's a big thing in religion, especially yeah, Christianity. I know. I mean, it's like probably something he's been taught his whole life. You just got to forgive. <sighs> I personally would at least like the justice of like, this person went right. away 18 to 40 years. 18 <laughs> to 40 years. Depending on how old he is, he would be very old <clears throat> if he gets out yeah. at all. And uh, I'd be like, suck it. Right. <laughs> I lived, bitch, as yes. Kat would say if she were. Yes. A uh, quote from Kevin. I told him that if at any time you want to make a change, I'll be there for you. I saw the man for the first time in two years. My first reaction when I left that courtroom is I went back into the witness room and began to weep. Mm. It was over. I made a commitment that I would not hold a grudge against this man. Mm. Good for him. I agree that I'm not sure that I could do that, but like, I'm glad that he can yeah. do that. For himself, I'm glad he was able to do that. It's probably and he's healthier. gone on to talk about it. He was on an episode of I Survived. Oh, really? That's rad. Yeah. Way to go, Kevin. Like, yeah. Way to literally pick yourself and, and your guts up by your bootstraps. Yeah. And get, go yeah. get some help. Yeah. Good God. So, yeah. Well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like that. But no. I, I told you. It wasn't long, but it was traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh as soon as somebody's outside yeah insides are out i'm yeah. not for it i can't yeah. do it <laughs> yeah I'm, i any movie even There's, that's like yeah do you want guts i'm like no no i still think about like catch 22 i watched it when i was way i've never oh, seen that way too young Ugh. and the insides do go to the outsides Ugh. at one point and i was like Maybe eight or nine. Oh, that's not cool. And it's a core memory now. Yeah, of course I it is. I remember that. Yeah. 
There's very distinctly. Of, like, we love horror movies. We are not into blood and gore horror no, movies. I'm not here for torture porn. No, I, I don't even really like zombie movies. Like, they, I just, too bloody is not my thing. No. We're here for possessions. We're here for ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for cults. Yeah. Just. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thank you for that. That's, uh, I'm glad that. Kevin is all right. Yeah. I wish I understood more of the guy's motive, but like, I know that that's not, it doesn't matter. I believe matter. there was a lot of drug use in that area. And I believe they stated something along the lines of like, he was high on something. Sure. Like just completely strung out. Cause yeah, to like, you have to be pretty far gone. I imagine to like you to take it to a violent place like that. Right. You're and not just going there to 37 times. I mean, that's crazy. It's not quick. No. That's like some PCP level, like agility, speed, and strength to just keep doing that too. When someone is fighting you, I yeah. have to assume, at least at first, yeah, with a tennis racket, like, mm. yeah. Come. Would you like to, yeah, harp noise? Uh-huh. I'll think about Kevin fondly okay. while we do while we eat cookies. Oh hell yeah, we're gonna eat cookies. We're back. Mm-hmm. We just ate. We just ate some cookies. Could not be more stoked about it, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I have traded in my my strawberry for a watermelon cucumber margarita, truly, and it fucks. It's doing great things to me. Yeah. You have the strawberry hibiscus now. Yeah. I still have some mango chili left, which we're gonna see how that mixes with thin mints. Probably not well. Ooh. No. 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 <laughs> that, no. I don't think Ooh. that one of these flavors will go well with that. <laughs> well, please. No, please help me get through this because this is going to be um, a whole thing. I told. I'd like play with your dog. Please don't. Drink. I mean, you can, but um, please help. Bone. Please don't leave me alone with this story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. So, I told Emily I haven't done a story like this in a while. Neither of us has, but me more, more so. So here we go. It is Wednesday, August okay. 27th, 1975. Ooh. Yeah. So it's Ooh. the 70s um, in West Yorkshire, which is a county in Northern England. 14 <gasps> year old Tracy, Tracy Brown is walking along a country lane in Slisden, Silsden, Bradford. She's been given a half-hour extension on her curfew. She still has to be home by 10.45. She and her twin sister, Mandy, have left a friend's house, but they were separated on their walk home because Tracy hung back to talk with her friends in the park for a minute, and Mandy continued on. So, Tracy starts up the steep lane toward home by herself, and a minute later, a man falls into step just behind her. Quote, He was about two feet away, but directly in front of me. I looked at him, but he just stared intensely down at me for a few seconds and then walked on without saying a word. I assumed he must be a local guy and I was too busy rubbing my sore feet to be scared. After a few seconds, I set off again. So he's ahead of her now, but his pace is slow. So she catches back up to him um, and then he starts talking to her. But... Uh, like basically just about like how there's nothing to do in that town and you know hey what's your name oh you live over there I just live up this street they're just chatting and they end up chatting for about 30 minutes they're walking together for a whole mile down this lane no and yeah and in all that time Tracy never recalls feeling intimidated or like she's in any danger she gets zero uh uh-oh feeling like at all okay 
right up until the point that he hits her on the back of the head with a ball-peen hammer. Quote, The first blow sent me crashing down to my knees. I fell into the side of the road. I pleaded with him, please don't, please don't, and screamed for help. He hits her five times, each time with so much force that she remembers he grunts like a tennis player. Like he's hitting her so hard he can't not make that noise. And he means to go on hitting her on the side of the road, except the sound of a car coming up the lane makes him pause. And he picks Tracy up bridal style and he drops her on the other side of a barbed wire fence and he runs. I know who you're doing. (laughs) This is a really bad person. I hate this man. Yes. Um, Obviously. I'm I'm just curious to see... If you have more than one survivor story. I have four. (laughs) There are so many to choose from. Uh Uh (laughs) We'll talk about it in a sec. Uh We'll finish Tracy here. Mm -hmm. So Tracy can't see. Yeah. Because she's been hit in the back of the head with a ball peen hammer five times. Um, She is, she's got so much blood. She is similar to Kevin. She has so much blood on her right now. Um, any, any cut or, or anything that happens to your head bleeds like a motherfucker and she has an open skull. So, um, she manages somehow to stand up and start moving. Quote, I fell several times, but forced myself back up. I told myself I had to get home in case he came back to finish me off. That fear drove me on. I knocked on the door of a farmhouse, but no one answered. I staggered around for another hundred yards. I was covered from head to waist in blood. Finally, she finds a farm hand. He flips shit, Fair. obviously, because she looks nut bar. Yeah. Um, he helps her to her own house just a little ways down the road. She is unable to speak and she can't stop shaking. Much again, like your guy, like similar situation shows up at her own doorstep. She is covered in so much blood that her mother, when her mother opens the door, she thinks that someone has just dumped a bucket of red paint on her. She's like, there's no way that's blood. So Tracy is rushed to Chapel Allerton Hospital in Leeds, where she undergoes a five-hour operation on her brain and skull. And then after recovering, because thankfully she does recover, she gives the police a description of her attacker. He was 5'8", a white man with black Afro-like, like bush-like hair that kind of sticks straight up from his head and a black beard. The police do not know it yet, but we know it. Tracy has just become the fourth survivor of Peter Sutcliffe, the man who had become known as the Yorkshire Ripper and a real piece of shit. Absolute piece of trash. (laughs) Absolute. Absolute. Between the years of 1969 and 1980, Sutcliffe terrorized the town of Leeds and various other cities in West Yorkshire. An undereducated and chronically underemployed real fucker Sutcliffe often found himself with nothing better to do outside of digging graves for money. He was literally a grave digger. Yep. Then to stalk and attack women, many of whom were sex workers. All told, he attacked a total of 23 women over the 11-year period, but most of these attacks happened between 1975 and 1980. There's only one from 1969. Of the 23 women, 13 of them were murdered, which means he left 10 whole survivors, which is crazy for a serial killer, (laughs) to leave that many survivors and still not be caught. Yeah. We'll talk about it. 
So the bloody nature of his attacks earned him the moniker the Yorkshire Ripper, which is, of course, a play on Jack the Ripper because England has never fucking gotten over Jack the Ripper and they never will. No. (laughs) Anytime anything reminds them of that, that's what they say. There's even an American Ripper Mm -hmm. to spin on that. Like We just just, love to add Ripper to something. Absolutely. Do they have a knife? They're a Ripper. Like (laughs) Done. We love it. We understand now why Thomas Harris chose Chesapeake Ripper for for one of Hannibal's nicknames. Yeah. Because, of course. All right. Now, as I mentioned, Tracy Brown was the fourth person to be attacked by Sutcliffe. The first had been all the way back in 1969, and the other two fell just before he attacked Tracy. So he was, like, ramping right the fuck up right there in 1975. All four of those victims were women, and all of them survived. So much like with the motorist coming up and sort of stopping him from killing Tracy, it is believed that Sutcliffe was interrupted with the other attacks or that he was spooked in some way before finishing the job. It's also possible that he just wasn't ready to go that far yet. We don't really know. He talked a lot, but he didn't speak about that. Either way, his streak of leaving his victims alive did not last very long, unfortunately. Sutcliffe's very next victim would come just two months after Tracy, and she would not survive. Wilma McCann was coming home from the pub when Sutcliffe picked her up in his white Ford Corsair, and she offered him sex for a five-pound note. She was found the next day in the grass nearby Prince Philip playing fields, killed by two hammer blows to the back of the head and 15 stab wounds to various parts of her body. Though Wilma was a sex worker, she was also 28 and a mother of four. And her death was a pretty big wake-up call for the police and the community at large. Just for her murder, there were 11,000 interviews conducted in connection to the murder, but the culprit was never found. So Sutcliffe kept going. I'm just going to keep saying really huge numbers on the amount of work these police did. Um, We'll get to that. It's not, they did a large quantity of work with a lack of quality of work, I will say. Oh, oh, you mean they, they Green River Killer this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like they were working very hard. Yeah. Trying to catch him, probably got him a few times, but didn't hold on to him. Uh (laughs) And then we're like, oh, we're out of money. Absolutely. Just fucking up. (laughs) So annoying. Mm -hmm. It is so goddamn Uh annoying. Uh So this prick (laughs) would go on to kill another woman three months later. And then five months after that, in May of 1976, he would follow 20-year-old Marcella Claxton home from a party. Sutcliffe pulls up to her in his car and just as he had done with Wilma he asks if she's out doing business which is to say are you out being a sex worker right now and Marcel is like no <laughs> I don't actually do that thanks however could you give me a ride home okay. Marcella you know she's been out yeah. she's not super far from home but she would like a ride it's the 70s it's the fucking 70s man and it's England too it's like it's like smaller town like it's not mm-hmm. like Leeds is a city but it's not Chicago, you know? <laughs> so people be doing it. At some point on the way home, Marcella asks Sutcliffe to pull over because she has to pee. That's how you know you're in your cups a little bit. Because, like, if you're just like, I'm just going to go piss in a bush, pull over, you've had some to drink. She exits the car, and Sutcliffe gets out after her. And when her back is turned, he smashes her over the head with a ball-peen hammer. Shocked. He's 
kind of got a thing he does. Especially waiting until someone is not paying attention and not looking at him and then just cracking them. So I wasn't able to find anything here about what stopped Sutcliffe in this particular murder attempt. If he was interrupted or scared off or he just maybe he just thought she was dead and decided that was that was it. We don't know. Either way, he pulls away in his car and he leaves Marcella in pain and disoriented, but very much alive. Like Tracy, Marcella realizes it's likely that she'll die if she stays on the ground where he left her. So she gets up. She cannot stand, though. So she crawls out of the bushes and down the street to a phone box, because they had those, (laughs) where she calls 911. So she saves her own ass. Get it. Absolutely, like, no one is out to help her. She just gets her own ass to uh, the phone to call 911. She's taken to the hospital. She needs 54 stitches. Like, thankfully, not a crazy surgery, though. Tragically, she was four months pregnant. Oh. Yeah. And this attack caused her to have a miscarriage. And in news articles as recent as 2021, because we've been talking about this recently, apparently... Marcella said that she still gets headaches. She still gets dizzy spells and blackouts from the attack. Yeah. So this is still with her a lot. Marcella, like Tracy, gave the police a description of her attacker, a white man with black hair and beard and mustache. Hmm. Unfortunately, Marcella... Yeah. Unfortunately, like, this is the... That's just the first of stuff that's really fucking annoying about this investigation. Marcella was not considered to be one of the newly minted Ripper's victims. By this point, like, they know there's a serial killer. They don't think that she is one of them because she is not a sex worker. And they're like, well, he kills sex workers and he attacks sex workers. So you're not. That was someone else. Did she tell them that he asked her if she was a sex worker? Unclear. (laughs) (laughs) Very unclear. We don't know. It's possible. Because that also would have been a great question for them to ask her. Right. Of like, so you got a ride from this dude. What happened there? How did did you ask you any questions? Right. Let me do a little detective work. Earn my big dollars. Right. Now, Tracy Brown, our first survivor, she was also never investigated as a ripper attack because the ripper didn't really exist as an entity when she was attacked. No one had died by that point. So there was no ripper for (laughs) her to be connected to at the time of her actual attack. And people are out here saying that the police are so proactive. (laughs) They, even when this started happening, they did not then go back and look at like, hey, what are some other people that might have shown an escalating pattern of violence? No. No, so... That takes work. So we actually... And communication. (laughs) Infuriatingly, we did not know that Tracy was one of Sutcliffe's victims until he admitted it in 1992. So that's great. I love it. (laughs) I love it. You know, I was literally... It's why it's on my mind. I was just watching a, a documentary about Green River Killer. And like his family and like him naming victims that they had no idea were his i was like you guys really nailed this yeah doing right really really nailed this Mm -hmm. so i'm not surprised that he was like oh by the way yeah p.s i I did did this i did more than you think (laughs) oopsie doodle buns yeah you got me 
eventually. You sure did. Mostly because I said you did. Yeah. <laughs> I decided you were going to get me. Yeah. So between uh, May of 1976, which is when that attack happened, and December of 1977, Sutcliffe would go on to commit three more murders and one more attack resulting in a survivor. Each time he used a hammer and knives or sometimes uh, sharpened screwdrivers, oh, which is no. so fucked no, no. up. No. Can't even handle it. No. No, he thank did you. Always. Always on unsuspecting women, always when they were distracted. Why screwdrivers? I don't that's even the, know. Like, that's the second time I think we've talked about a serial killer using a screwdriver. It's also the second time. Do you remember when Bubbers was on this podcast and you did the woman who survived yeah, being with the, hit with a hammer? hammer? That's I was the like, I worker. thought you were talking about Peter Sutcliffe. No. But no, that no. was a different guy because he was American. Yes. There's been more yeah. than one serial She's killer. In L.A. That just bat sex workers. Yes. Bashed sex workers in the head with a hammer. Yeah. More than one serial killer <laughs> with the yeah. same fucking M.O. And it's... She wasn't the only one because there's been others in the U.S. that have been hit with hammers. Isn't that correct? Like, and, like, the dude that I talked about who was keeping women in his basement when he made that hole mm-hmm. that he covered with a board. Oh, yeah. And he was trying to, like, deafen them by using a screwdriver in their ears. Oh, God. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, these are just tools that they're weaponizing, basically. It's not that hard to do. It's not a... I mean, if you don't want to go out and buy a gun and you yeah, also you don't want to strangle some... hardware store. You can get literally anything you need. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to use it that way. So, I so. vote we outlaw hardware stores. <laughs> Great idea. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be running for president in 2028, maybe. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Not 2024, though. No, You're no, not facing no, Trump no, again. It'll no, be dead by 2028. No. Um, <laughs> I will get arrested. <laughs> so he's out here. He sure is out here in these streets. Now, one of these attacks that occurred between these periods of time included the murder of a 16-year-old girl named Jane McDonald. It caused a big stir because the police referred to this as the Ripper's first innocent victim. Because sex workers are not innocent. And also because the only other non-sex worker victim was not considered one of his victims. But this one is because she died. So that's fine. Anyway. <laughs> They're not people, you know? No. They're not just people. I would pay to fuck them. in a debilitating system. But they're not human. That they can't get out of. Right. Because it's really hard to break out of that. It has nothing. Especially when the cops look at you like trash. It's fine. Emily, it's fine. Fuck. <laughs> fuck them. Marilyn fuck the Moore. Cops. Thank you. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <In> 19, <laughs> I have so much more. In 1977, Marilyn Moore was a 25-year-old sex worker from Leeds. And Sutcliffe approached her for sex on December 14th. No. He drove her. Yeah, that would have been the thing. He drove her to an area off of Scott Hall Street, very near to where he had killed Wilma McCann. There um, there are slightly varying accounts of what happened here, but I believe so. Marilyn got out of the vehicle in order to climb into the back seat. And then she realized that the back door was locked. So Sutcliffe gets out of the car. He comes around to open it for her and took that opportunity to, survey says, hit her on the back of the head with a hammer. Shocking. 
It said that he lost his footing, though, while doing so. So instead of a direct hit, he it was like more of a glancing blow. And instead of incapacitating her, it just hurt like a motherfucker. So she screamed loud. And she goes on screaming. And this causes some dogs in the area to start barking. And this scares the shit out of Sutcliffe. Good. Yeah. So Marilyn remembers Sutcliffe saying, dirty prostitute bitch, while hitting her seven more times in the head. But she keeps screaming until she falls unconscious momentarily. And Sutcliffe must have thought, like, okay, I have to get out of here. That was a lot of noise. I gotta go. And he has no problem leaving survivors. It's never caused him an issue. So he just leaves. Well, yeah, and DNA, I don't think, was really... No, not at all. A thing yet. Absolutely not. They have nothing like mm-hmm. that. So Marilyn, once again, alive, alone, has to stagger to her feet just like the others and look for help. She makes it to the main street where a couple come across her, which again must be terrifying. They're just on a walk and they're like, oh my God, this woman covered in blood. They immediately, one of them stays with her and the other one runs to call for help. There are no cell phones. You got to go find a phone. So she needed an emergency surgery. Emergery. Emergery. (laughs) You know, emergery. (laughs) To relieve the pressure on her brain and to repair her fractured skull pretty bad yeah now things with the police are obviously frustrating already we have discussed it only gets worse haha we're not done the police were unfortunately reticent to take Marilyn's testimony at face value given her injuries the fact that they are brain injuries I get that but also because she's a sex worker and the fact that okay honestly (laughs) she has called in three separate false alarms about seeing the Yorkshire Ripper in the recent weeks However, like, you could see that from a couple different angles, right? Like, okay, this woman is pretty paranoid. She thinks she's seen the Ripper a lot. However, the Yorkshire Ripper is killing women in the place where she does sex work. So maybe she really has seen him. (laughs) She might have seen him. Like, I'm just saying. He's around. (laughs) Either way, they don't listen. They don't care. So... I mean, they still let her, you know, make a statement. They still do what they they call a photo fit. Because it's not like, I don't think they were having somebody come in and draw. They were using, it wasn't just that. There's like some computer imaging, weirdly, which is oh, odd yeah, for that Oh, yeah, they time. had like this like database. Yeah. They, where you'd composite. like look through, yeah. Yeah. And like you'd pick the eyes and then the nose and they'd cobble together a face. Yes. Now, crazily enough, Marilyn, who they did not listen to very much, has the best photo fit description of Peter Sutcliffe. Hers is way closer than everybody else's. And she described his vehicle pretty well. The only problem, I believe the only problem, I think this is her. I don't know if I have this here, but she said he had like a white Ford Cortina when he has, in fact, a white Ford Corsair. How dare she? (laughs) But otherwise, pretty good. She's doing great. Now, are you starting to see why they didn't catch this guy? (laughs) Oh, no. No, I know why they didn't catch this guy. (laughs) Listener, in case you haven't caught on, it's just, um, it's a series of not listening and not believing that some people are this guy's victim. And obviously hindsight is 20-20, but there was a lot of not listening (laughs) happening. 
This is why serial killers go after sex workers, because they're incredibly easy targets. They're still going after sex workers. Yeah. There's this, literally this a term for them in the U.S. of the missing missing. Mm-hmm. It's because, yeah, when they go missing, they are much less likely to be reported missing. Right. And no one believes them. Yes. When they speak out. And when the bodies are found, no one's usually there if they're not with a name or anything to claim them. Mm-hmm. Nothing's tying them back. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they are in often dangerous situations in mm-hmm. which they are alone with a human being yep. for a period of time. Who no one. There are very few witnesses. Violent. Yeah. Very few witnesses to attacks on them. Like... It's easy. Unfortunately, it's very easy to harm a sex worker and have yep. no repercussions. Yeah. Still. Especially then, though, when we've got no DNA, nothing. So I have one more survivor I want to highlight, but I am going to pause and talk about the wider investigation really quick here while that is going on while these women are being attacked and murdered. So evidence and testimony from survivors and witnesses resulted in a massive police investigation there are so many irons in so many fires <laughs> that these people are spread thin. There is no Scotland Yard. We're talking the local ass police. They received hundreds of tips from the public. They searched hundreds of cars. They conducted thousands of interviews in the tens of thousands. They used hundreds of thousands of hours of manpower. They were doing it. Just maybe maybe they were working harder and not smarter, (laughs) but they were, they sure were out here in these streets. Legally speaking, they sure were out there in these streets. (laughs) Yes. So much manpower on this one fucking case. It wasn't like no one cared about catching this man. The public cared, the press cared, the police had to care, but they just, they were doing it interestingly. So there were huge flubs along the way. For one thing, I know. How shocked on a scale of one to ten? How shocked? Oh, my God. I'm definitely a ten. So for one thing, the police announced too much to the press. Too much. They literally said, like, here's the description of the man we're working off of, which is unfortunately... A a description from a different survivor. Her name was Maureen Long. I didn't go over her because I didn't have as much info on her, her. but she was attacked and then incorrectly described Sutcliffe as being six feet tall and blonde. Oh. Now, brain injury. Yeah. Traumatic attack. Uh Uh-huh. This is why I I do understand the police being like, I don't know who we believe in this because one of them was very, very wrong. Whereas Marilyn Moore was very, very right. Yeah. So that that is tough. Six feet tall and blonde. Okay, so Peter Sutcliffe, again, black, wiry, bushy hair. He is five foot seven. So p- big difference. <laughs> big. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, so not only that. So they're working off of a bad description and they announce that. So if that was what Sutcliffe looked like, he could have changed his appearance They also announced what kind of car they're looking for, a white Ford Corsair. Um, Well, a white Ford Cortina is what they thought they were looking for. But Peter Sutcliffe sees this and is like, oh, shit, my white Ford Corsair is pretty close. So he sells it and he gets a red Ford Corsair because why wouldn't he? (laughs) He knows now. This is why you don't tell the press all these details because it's an active investigation. This is how we learned, I guess. We're all learning. It's a learning process. 
Here's the most frustrating part. Are you ready? You thought you were frustrated. You're not yet. <laughs> Peter Sutcliffe was a part of this massive investigation. At I'm one shocked. point, he's in it. Yeah, he they know him. Yeah. At one point, Sutcliffe gave a five pound note to a sex worker named Gene, who he would later go on to kill. This is a note that comes from what they call his pay packet. So I believe like he was paid in cash. And this is a brand new, just printed five pound note. Incredibly traceable. Stupid traceable. He's the first person to have ever used that note. He even realizes this. Like he kills her and then is like, oh, wait, that's my I gave her a really traceable thing and he tries to go back to her body and get it but he can't return until nine days later and they find it so they've got this five pound note and they realize that this pay pack that had this note in it was given to six thousand employees of a trucking company that Sutcliffe worked at and they interview all six thousand of these fuckers including Sutcliffe now, unfortunately, during the interview, Sutcliffe's wife, because he is married, because of course he is, mm-hmm. he has a semblance of a regular life. His wife lies to the police about his whereabouts on multiple nights, says that he was home with her when he was a not, and she knows that. They also decided not to search his red Corsair, where they would have found the murder weapons, because he didn't have time to stash them. They were just in there. They also did not take note of the fact that Sutcliffe used to own a white Corsair, which, I mean, he bought and sold those things legally. There is record of that. This wouldn't be the last time they would speak to him either. At one point, over 20,000 interviews were conducted door to door of every single man caught driving through the red light district. (laughs) Just, they just, they just talked to 20,000 people because they were like, we, we saw you in the red light district. This is my favorite part of this story. Um, and it doesn't matter that much. So I'm going to go quickly, but they used to do these interviews by going to the homes of these men who have gone through red light districts and then asking their wives to go get some tea so that they could ask these questions like, Hey, do you do sex work stuff? Do you go to the red light district and, and have sex workers do things to your body? I'm going to ask while your wife is out of the room so that you tell me the truth. Emily, this part of the investigation was, was known by the sort of idea. This was the idea of it was, it was called softly, softly catchy the monkey. <laughs> you, they had to be so careful because they were trying not to ruin the reputation of 20,000 men who just happened to be driving through. Emily's just staring off at the ceiling. That's the greatest term I've ever heard. It's so British. Are you okay? No. <laughs> so anyway, so they, they interviewed 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sutcliffe's is one of them too. He's, he's in that group as well. Sure. So... All told, um, every leg, every arm, every weird tentacled arm of this massive no. investigation. No, 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 no. Touches Sutcliffe at one point or another. No. They interview him, I shit you not, 10 times. They interview him 10 times for different reasons, for being in different places and having different circumstances. The problem was, 
that every time they would go to interview him, they had no idea other people had already yeah. interviewed him. Because why would they? No. There There's are no communication. There was no centralized no. database for the exactly. records. There's no computers. Yeah. There's just stacks of files. They're yeah. interviewing 20,000 people at a time. And then that's just going on paper. Right. That sits there. Yeah. It's There's... literally why so many people were able to get away with so much shit. Yeah. Because you just have to cross either the county or the state lines. Yes. And then no one knows who you are. Right. And like, even though these people, there was a task force for the Ripper. Like, but they were sitting on rooms full of documents. Who was going to go through that data? Nobody could ever keep up with that data. They were collecting too much data. It was nuts. Yeah. That's one of those things of like, it's interesting going back to see like cold cases. Because literally all they have to do is just go back through all of the notes, get it entered in. Yes. And they see Fucking it. control F. Yeah. My dude. Now that's literally, so the last podcast on the left does have a two-parter on Peter Sutcliffe that I do recommend because it goes into the investigation deeper than I am going into. There's there's like a person who fakes being this guy and sends in letters. I'm not even talking about that. Go listen to other podcasts about the murderer because we're focusing on the survivors here. But Marcus Parks on there makes a very good point that if Peter Sutcliffe had been killing today, he would have been caught by two strokes on a keyboard. Oh, yeah. Literally, control F... Oh, yeah. And then they would have seen like, oh, this man has come up every time we've done any of these searches. Any t- His name is in here mm-hmm. for every single one of these categories. Oh, maybe he's our guy. But they didn't have that. So he continues. So five years of killing, basically. Now I'm on to our last survivor. That's 1980. Sutcliffe has been murdering for five years. Asshole. The police are no closer to catching him. Sutcliffe was actually picked up in April of that year for drink driving, which is what they call drunk driving. (laughs) I love that. Um, He's awaiting trial. Like, he's literally going to go to court. And before they send him to court, he's got a few months where he's just kind of wandering the earth. And he kills more people. In that time, he kills five more women. Well, actually, sorry. He attacks five more women. He kills two of them. Three more fucking survivors. Now, one of the survivors of this period was Maureen Lee, who went by Mo. Maureen was an art student student at Leeds University who decided to cut through the campus on her way home after a night with friends. It's all the same story. They went out to go have a fun time. They're walking home alone. Yeah. It's always the same story. It's tragic. Do not walk home alone after a night with friends. Just please don't do it. So Sutcliffe approaches her from behind and asks, how are you? She literally says to him, bye. Yes. (laughs) She thinks like she's the only one who gets the uh uh-oh feeling and actually describes it. She's the only one because she looks at him and she thinks he's holding himself weird. Mm. And so she's like, "Mm, yeah, actually, no. Bye. Yeah, and then instantly she's like, I felt like I was um, not safe, and I started to run. Good. Quote, fear came over me as I heard his footsteps getting faster behind me. I felt a whack to the back of my head and the pavement coming up to my face, and then I blacked out. So, of course, she's hit on the head with a fucking hammer. Mo woke up again in the hospital. She completely one blow, and she's out. She wakes up with a fractured skull and cheekbones, a broken jaw. This means he hit her again. He, she just doesn't remember it. 
That's probably for the best. Absolutely. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. She's got a ton of gashes and bruises. Once again, in addition to the hammer, he had used the sharpened screwdriver and he severed her spinal cord with it. How the fuck? How sharp is it? Crazy. Her parents don't recognize her. Mm. Like, she does not look. Her face is jacked. Mm. It turns out there was a couple walking. Couples save the day. There was a couple walking in the area, and they witnessed the attack, and they chased him away. (gasps) They didn't just find her afterward. Yeah. They intervened. He ran off. So Mo spent her 21st birthday in surgery. Mm. I know. Tragic. So... She spent months with her jaw wired shut, which, awful. Now, because Mo was an artist, she's an art student, Uh she began to draw as soon as she was out Uh of the hospital. uh uh She's got a bunch of recent interviews, and she says she hates the art she made here because it is all angst. It's morbid and macabre and full of anguish. She is just like, oh, I hate that period of my my creation. God, I was so angry. Yeah. I mean, I get it. So at the time, because justice is terrible here, Moe's attack was not investigated as part of the Ripper thing. Yep. Perhaps because he didn't use a knife in the attack. This is the other thing that that last podcast talks about, that they didn't give a shit if there was a hammer murder. They only cared if there was a knife. You are not a part of the profile if you got hit with a hammer. They were like, I don't know how many fucking hammer attacks are going on in England at this time, but it seems kind of specific. There are plenty of murders he commits that do not include the knife. He uses the screwdriver. He even strangles a woman to death at one point. He never doesn't use the hammer, but they don't give a shit about the hammer in the profile. So it's not great, the profile, I think. Unless unless dudes are just out here with hammers. I can't tell. Anyway. So, she's not included in this list of victims. It wasn't until the late 2010s when investigators began to look for evidence of other Ripper cases that Mo was deemed another victim of Peter Sutcliffe. I mean, she'd been saying it the whole time, but like they were like, oh yeah, for sure. Definitely you were. <laughs> Mo suffered from PTSD and underwent years of therapy that is called schema reconditioning, which mm. is interesting. In order to heal, it actually did work for her. She used to be unable to view a picture of Sutcliffe's face Mm. without like breaking down. And after her reconditioning, um, there was a documentary that was made that she was featured in called Facing Evil. And for that documentary, Mo illustrates Sutcliffe's face. She she creates his like wedding portrait, basically, and then she rips it up on the I've seen that episode. Documentary. Evil. Yes. Yeah. It's um. It's good. She yeah. seems really good. I've yeah. seen the, a clip from that part. It was good. She actually said she kept the original. That was a copy she ripped up. She wanted mm. to keep it because she was like, I, I turned it around on him. I was observing and objectifying him. So I wanted to keep that moment for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is, makes sense, yeah. I think. She also said, quote, you can let these massive events define you. But he didn't take my being. He just attacked me. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now this is the aftermath, just so we know that justice did eventually come to this motherfucker. Yes. Fortunately, Sutcliffe's killing spree did not go on forever. One day, 
he was caught. He just, he pulled over to the side of the road with a sex worker named Olivia Reavers, the luckiest woman alive. So the police see this pulled over car and they're like, that's a sex worker and a guy. Like, of course it is. Like, that's why people pull over in cars. So we're just going to go take a look at that. We're going to go see what's going now. Mm -hmm. Oh, and like Sutcliffe is like, you're my, you're my sex worker. Yeah. He tells her, like, you're my girlfriend. <laughs> and then he starts talking to the police, and they ask her name, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, they go back, and he's like, can you just run for it? And she was like, I am a well-known sex worker. They know I'm a sex worker. You're made, my man. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Bitch. <laughs> they also realize that um, he has taped different license plates to that car. Those are not his. So they take him in. <laughs> this is how they catch the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> it's an accident because he just happens to be attempting to have sex with another person and then kill her, which actually for him never worked out. He could never once have sex prior to killing. Great. Hate you, Peter Ew. Sutcliffe. Ew. Hate you, Peter Ew. Sutcliffe. Ew. So uh, so they, this is how they get him. They, they bring him in and they start talking to him. Eventually, the Ripper Task Force is brought in specifically because they're like, I don't know. This is sus, right? And they were like, yes, it is. Let's go. Oh, he's, we've talked to him before. We've talked to him. Times. We've talked to him ten times. So, so yeah, many we're gonna. Times. And then eventually, Peter Sutcliffe just confesses. He yeah. just goes, "Yeah, it's me. Yeah, you got me." Because he's a psycho, so of course he wants to be caught. Kinda, he wants the recognition. Mm-hmm. He is tried for the murder of thirteen women and the attempted murder of seven more. We now know he had ten attempted murders. They just, you know, didn't know about all of them at the time. He was sentenced at the time to 20 concurrent sentences of life in prison, but he had the ability to seek parole after 30 years, which means he would have been he would have been eligible for parole in 2011. However, in 2010, he was served a what they call a whole life tariff, which means you don't ever get out. And we just decided that. We decided we took away your parole basically. As they should have. Yes. Um, they, there were people, survivors testified at his trial, but also at this 2010 hearing. And there was a woman named Teresa Sykes, who was one of his last victims who did survive. In fact, I think it, she was his last victim before he was caught. She said um, at this hearing, quote, Over the years, he's taken a lot away from me. It's never going to end with me, so why should it end for him? He has absolutely spoiled my life. Why should he get out and have a life? I haven't really had one. So one last, this is the light. This is it. This is the only light. Okay. Okay. This disgusting piece of human trash died of COVID in prison on November 13th, 2020 at the age of 74. Good. Yeah. He refused treatment and they were like, okay. Okay. (laughs) After the announcement of his death, One of his other survivors who we did speak about, Marcella Claxton, was interviewed. She said, quote, I'm happy he's gone. I've thought about what he did to me every day since. And although the news that he's died brings those horrible memories back, at least now I may be able to get some closure. I'm hoping it will bring me a little peace knowing he is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. I think that that is very fair. So a lot of this information came from right when he died. 
there were a ton of articles released all over England, all like international as well. It popped right back up. Yep. Like, oh, by the way, that that fucker, he's dead. Let's talk to the survivors. (laughs) So there was a lot. I have an entire timeline here, like I said, of every single person he murdered and when he murdered them because I was getting really confused. Yeah. Um, And it's a lot. Like he went on basically spree killings and then would go for months without doing it. And then another spree killing and then go for months like he was intense. And all of these women survived basically the same story. And unfortunately, like, I'd love to say, like, they all fought him off. Like, no, they got pretty lucky. Sometimes you survive because you're lucky, unfortunately. But also... Seems to be a theme today. I think that's... Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm sure that Kevin also fought as much as he could, but... That there was a point where he knows he went unconscious. Yeah. He could have died right then and there. Any one of these women could have, I mean, blows to the brain could have died. Yeah. And they just didn't. And instead they picked themselves up. Yeah. And we may never know, like. The brain is weird. It's super weird. Especially, like, you're getting hit in the back of the head. Some people didn't even have, like, skull fractures. It really depends on how hard and how much he hit them. And, yeah, what part of the brain gets affected is anybody's guess. (laughs) Like, we don't know much about the brain at all no so yeah thanks for sticking with me on this story of the survivors of peter Sutcliffe. um i'm not gonna do a serial killer for another i don't know 50 episodes i hate them <laughs> they're so frustrating they are Ugh. i'm i want to eat more um i want to eat more cookies yeah mm-hmm. and i want to um maybe take a shot so that i can forget <laughs> the terrible <laughs> things that just came out of my own ass mouth yeah. I do think, even though we've determined that our people got lucky, <laughs> yeah. I think you should be a lot like them. Yeah. Like Kevin. Yeah. Who clearly, you know, made some decisions about his, his life in the moment before he thought he was going to die <laughs> and then got up anyway. Yeah. Good for him. And to all those women, Marcella mm-hmm. and Marilyn, who gave their statements to the police and really did try. Yeah. Even if they weren't listened to or believed. Look, we always say, like, you should never be like the police. You should actually believe survivors and victims. Do your best. Whether or not they're a sex worker. You should not just never cross-reference your own data. Yeah. (laughs) The answer's in the numbers. The answer's in the number of this podcast, which is 102. (laughs) (laughs) I now remember. 103. It's not 103. (laughs) Guys, trust me. Thank you guys once again for joining us. Mm-hmm. We will see you uh, in a couple of weeks for the actual episode 103. Yeah. And in the meantime, you should never, ever, 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 forget your can of vengeance. Ooh, vengeance. I just saw Batman. Is that I an alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Batman. <laughs> <laughs>